Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we're going to be examining the Sunday readings for the 16th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which I see basically as a continuation in the Gospel of the readings that we had for the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. The main thing that we're going to be talking about here is to be patient with God and to not lose our hope in what God is doing. And that's not always easy to do. Uh, when I read Isaiah 60, verse 22, the last stanza of that verse, and I'm going to read it from the Jerusalem Bible because it says this so well uh, that we don't always understand it. And in the other translations, there's something similar. But, but this one says, in due time, I shall act with speed. When God's time is right, he's going to accomplish what he wants to do. And then there's another scripture in 2 Peter 3, 8 to 10. It says, do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and its works that are upon it will be burned up. Now the other thing that I think we need to consider here is Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, which uh, I'm going to read from the Jerusalem Bible this time. I will instruct you and teach you in the way to go. I will watch over you and be your advisor. Do not be like senseless horse or mule that need bit and bridle to curb their spirit to let you get near them. So we're, we, have to, we have to do things in God's time. Now, we're going to begin with the first reading, which is from the book of Wisdom. And this is one of those books that you aren't going to find if you, you look at a, a Protestant Bible. It's a book that uh, if, if you look for it, it's, it's going to be in, in Greek. It's something that was in the Septuagint, but it's not necessarily everywhere else. So it says, there is no God beside you. Okay, so it's declaring God to be the one true God. All other gods are false gods who have care, the care of all. God is, cares about all his creation. He, he didn't just set it into motion and let it go at that. He keeps going with his people that you need to show that you have not unjustly condemned. God is just, and there's, so there's not, not anything that's there. And so when we look at God, we since he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is going to display all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which you can read about in Galatians 5, 22 to 27. These are the gifts that God gives to us, these gifts of the Spirit, and he has them himself. He can give them to us because he has an abundance of them himself. So it says, for, the, for your might is the source of justice. And I'm going to read from the New Jerusalem Bible note for this particular thing. It says, since God possesses absolute power and has no reason for abusing it, he dispenses saving justice, which is what, what the Jerusalem Bible talks about, what we talk about salvation, with complete impartiality and freedom. By the same token, his sovereign master over all things allows and invites him to be lenient to all. So what it's saying is God doesn't have to bully us. God doesn't have to bully us. God has all the power. He doesn't need to be a bully. He's, he's got it. He's not threatened by anything that we do or don't do. So he's there. 
And so he, he, he goes on to say, for you show your might when the perfection of your power is disbelieved. God's going to show his might whether we believe it or not. God is going to be merciful to us whether we believe he's going to be merciful or not. And in those you, who know you, you rebuke temerity, uh, which is insolence or uh, the wrong kind of fear. But though you are master of might and judge, you judge with clemency. So he has all this power, all this might, but he wants to give us his mercy. With, and with much lenience, you govern us. He gives us a broad leeway to be able to do the things that he wants us to do. And so uh, I'm going to read from Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, uh, with, all, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and tear your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for your God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and repents of all evil. God is wanting to give us his mercy. And I, all you have to do is, if you don't want something more current, and it's not in the Bible about this, just read some of the things that... that uh, that St. Faustina has for, uh, read her what she has in her diary. And you will see that God really wants to do that. And another thing says, but in Psalm 33, verse 18, he says, but see how Yahweh watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his faithful love. Faithful love. That's that has said. That is that unconditional love. That's what sets God apart, different from us. Uh, God his love to us is faithful. We're not, we can do nothing that will cause God to be, become unfaithful to us. He wants us to be with him forever in heaven, and he's going to do all he can to help us get there. So, and so what, what you got then is that God wants us to be there with him. And you taught the people by the deeds that they who are just must be kind. It, this is saying that if, if you love God with all your heart, or with all your soul, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, this is the, the commandment of love that Jesus has given us. So that if you are just, if you are a man of integrity, if you're the person that is, is who you're supposed to be, you are going to be one who uh, is kind to other people. And you gave your children good ground for hope that you would not permit that you, uh, pardon me, that you would permit repentance for their sins. God wants us to repent. And remember that in, in the Greek, that the, 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 the word for repentance is metanoia, which means the turning around of, of who you are, a changing of your mind. So that's what, that's what the first reading is talking about. So we, we need to understand that God wants us to be successful in our lives. And success is the, what is the ultimate success? The ultimate success is being in heaven with him and happy forever because that's why he created us. Let's take a look at the gospel because the gospel is, is long and it has a great deal in it. And the gospel is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 43. And <clears throat> Jesus proposed another parable to the crowds. Now, why did God, Jesus talk in parables? He talked in parables because he didn't want to hide it, but he wanted to say it 
in a way that people could understand it. A parable uh, is noted, we will get down to Psalm 78 later, but it, a parable then in, in the Jerusalem Bible notes for 78, Psalm 78, par, note B says, in, literally, that, that this parable is mashal in Hebrew, which is a rhythmical maxim expressed in poetic parallelism. So it, God speaks to us, Jesus is speaking in, in parables, much like a poet will speak to, uh, to us through his poetry. As much as a, a uh, fable or a myth will speak to people, that the truth is there and it's something that can be easily grasped. So he's speaking to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And if you remember correctly, that word for sowed is one where it's scattered. So he's scattering the seed in his field. And it says good seed. And if you remember from our, our uh, gospel for the 15th Sunday, the, the seed that fell on good ground was the word of God. And Jesus is going to have a slightly different explanation of what the seed is in this particular case. But remember this now. He's taking good seed. He's not, he's, he doesn't have seed that has all kinds of weeds and stuff. This is good first-class seed that he's spreading. So while everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds throughout the wheat and then went off. Again, let's, let's remember now that there were two kinds of grain that people sowed and grew and harvested and made uh, bread from in uh, the Jesus' day in uh, Galilee and in Judea. The most common one was barley. That barley, that was the uh, food of the poor, the grain of the poor, and wheat is the grain of the rich. So if he's talking about wheat here, it's something that's very good. It's first class that he's got has here. So he sowed this there. Now, and it says his enemy came while everybody was asleep. Let's take a look at a couple of, of, uh, of uh, passages that talk about that. So one of them is in Matthew 24, verses 42 for 43. This is talking about that when the, the master goes off and uh, whether the, the person that's keeping the gate, the householder, is paying attention. It says, so stay awake because you do not know the day when your master is coming. You may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what time the burglar would come, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed anyone to break in through his house. So what it's saying here is this stay awake and, uh, and aware. Be on the alert. Be on the lookout for when your enemy comes to sow weeds in your ground that you prepared good seed in. Another one is in Matthew 25, 13. So it's two, two times very uh, close to each other uh, in Matthew, toward the end of Matthew. So this is the final t things that Jesus is saying to his disciples. And there it says, so stay awake. You do not know the day or the hour. If the people uh, who had sown the good seed had stayed awake, the enemy would not have been able to come in and sow in the field what weeds, okay? Now let's take a look at something here because... Uh, uh, what the what the what the people that are 
are working for the householder, <clears throat> excuse me, want to do is they want to immediately pull up the weeds. But you have to remember, uh, the other thing you have to remember here is that uh, this Darnell, uh, this tear, as some of the other translations call it, is something that looks very much like wheat all the way through up until the point of time when the seed heads come out. Uh, and the, the, the wheat has, if you've ever been in a wheat field, you will know that the wheat becomes very ripe. When it gets ripe, it becomes a golden brown, whereas the tares have black seeds on them. And so, they, but they, the people, for some reason, can recognize that there's a slight difference between this sprouted wheat and the sprouted weeds or tear or darnel. And they want to pull it up right away. They are impatient. Let's get rid of it now. Let's not, de- let's not wait to deal with it. Let's deal with it right now. And, but the man, he answered, an enemy has done this. The master is a lot more wise than the people that are working for him. He, and he says, no, don't pull them up now. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the weed along with them. Even if you can distinguish between the good the sprouts from the good seed and the sprouts from the weeds, they're so closely intermingled that in the process you might uproot the seeds. You will disturb the root of the good seed that's there and diminish the harvest. So let's, it says, leave them there to grow together until harvest. Now, that's a curious thing. You're going to let the bad and the good be together until the harvest time? And when we get farther down, we'll see that Jesus talks about that the good seed are the people who have received the seed of the word of God in their hearts and are true disciples and though uh, uh, his disciples and that the bad seed, the darnell, is the seed of the evil one. Now, why, why do they care about whether the darnell is there or not in the field? And the reason is because if you do a little research on this, you will see that darnell is poisonous. You, you don't want that to be mixed with your wheat because you could poison somebody. Now, let's, let's go back and let's look at another scripture here that talks about something that's there. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a stretch maybe, but it's Matthew seven fifteen to 20. And there Jesus is saying, beware of false prophets who come to you disguised as sheep. Okay, think about this now. The false prophets are disguised as sheep. This darnell comes disguised as wheat, but underneath are ravenous wolves. You will be able to tell them by their fruits. When the fruit sets, you can tell the difference between the true prophet and the false prophet. When the fruit sets, you can tell the difference between the wheat and the darnell. And then he says, can people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles. In the same way, a sound tree produces good fruit, but a rotten tree, bad fruit. A sound tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a rotten tree, good fruit. A tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I repeat, you will be able to tell them by their fruit. So, even in this, this, what we have here, the parable of the wheat and the tares, you can tell the difference when the fruit sits on. And so Jesus uses a lot of agricultural 
things that he talks about because he was living in an agricultural society. And his, the people that were living in this agricultural society had seen, and they can know exactly what has to happen. And what he's saying is, let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the weed into my barn. So again, like he was talking about here uh, in, in this passage where he talked about the false prophets, he talks about the false prophets are going to burn. And here, this in the case, in this parable that we have here, Jesus is saying that wait until the harvest time. And since they didn't have combines at that time, but actually cut, cut the, uh, uh, the, the, the wheat stalks with uh, like a scythe and then put it in bundles. So what he's saying is when, when you have the grain fully ripe and you're getting ready to harvest, then we will have, we will separate it out then. We will be able to easily tell and we can take the stalks, the wheat stalks, the wheat shafts that have, uh, and separate those from the Darnell's shaft, uh, those, the shafts with the Darnell on it, and we'll put them in two separate piles. And we'll put the good stuff in my barn and the bad stuff we're going to burn. Now, it, again, uh, and I don't, ha- I don't remember exactly, I think it's in Matthew 25 where he talks about the goats on the left and the sheep on the right. There's going to be a division. They look a lot alike. And if and some of the, if you look, do a little research, you will see that uh, in, in some cases, the sheep and the goats looked a lot alike, like, except for the tails. But you could, you could distinguish them and you could separate them. And so what we what have here is that God proposes that we wait to the last, to the final day. And this gives us a couple of other things that we can talk about here. And one of the things that we can talk about is God is patient with us. God, if this is us, then God is waiting for us to convert from being Darnell to being wheat. And in the, this, the, the image breaks down a little bit because Darnell can't become wheat, but God wants us to change. Also, the wheat may decide that it's more fun to be Darnell. And so we, it, God is waiting till the day of our death, the day of the general judgment, to determine whether we are wheat or Darnell. God's, God is patient with us. We need to be patient with ourselves and with others that are there and not just judge them at that point in time. Now he goes on, he proposed, an, <clears throat> uh, he proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It's the smallest of seeds, yet when fully grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in the branches. I'm going to read you uh, another scripture here, and this is one that you've probably heard about half the weddings that you've gone to, and this is 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. It says, love is patient, love is kind, etc., etc., etc. Notice that the first thing it says, love is patient. God loves us and God is patient with us. When God sows the seed of the word in us, he is patient to allow that seed to sprout and to grow. And it could be wheat seed if it's a mustard seed, which is one of the really one of the tiniest seeds that there is. And it's going to grow. You just have to be patient and wait. It's not going to happen overnight. And, And so... Again, it's talking about a growth process for which we need to be patient. 
Then he took another terrible to them. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. Now, yeast, if you look, uh, do a little research on this, is something that recurs in nature uh, all over everywhere. Now, the particular, there are several kinds of yeast you can use, but the main thing that yeast does is it, it, it's, it's an agent that causes, that ferments. It's a fermentation process. It's a fungus and it causes chemical reactions to take place in the flour. Two things that happen when the yeast is in the flour, it releases carbon dioxide and alcohol. So the, what the yeast does is it does two things. It causes an expansion of the flour, and it also gives it flavor. Uh, so if you look there, let's look at Matthew uh, 5, verses 13 and 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its taste. Can it be made salty again? There is good, it is good for nothing, can it only be thrown away. And then it says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. God is wanting us to be that leaven in the world that causes things to happen. Now, the, the, when, the, when the, wheat, the bread rises, it's doing something that's very good for us. Then he spoke another, the, all these things Jesus spoke to them in parables. So God is wanting us to, to do that. But he talked about, also remember, he talked about beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And that's in Matthew 16, 6 to 12. And I'm not going to read all of it. And another one where he talks about that is in eleven thirty four and 35 of Luke. It says, your lamp is the eye of the body, etc., etc. If the... Uh, your body to uh, when your eye isn't clear your whole body is filled with light so it's talking about being consistent and full god wants us to do that and then in the, the final analysis of this what G, the, the disciples saying okay you told a good story jesus or several good stories here what's it all about well what he says it's about is that the parable of the, explain the parable of the seeds in the field he who sows is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed, are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. So we are to be, remember, there's a, a scripture that says that we are to be in the world, excuse me, in the world, but not of it. So we're going to be mixed with all these people, some of which are good people, some of which are bad people. And God is, allows us all to live together. We are to be that light and that salt in there to cause change to take place. We are to be the leaven in the wheat that causes the change to take place in the world in which we're living. We are to be that mustard seed that gets planted so that the, the, the birds of the air, the people of the world can find rest and solace in the shade that we provide for them and the protection. That's what God is wanting us to do. We also, if we go back to that, the, the parable of the sower in, from the 15th Sunday, we need to make sure that we understand the difference between the good seed and the bad seed. I mean, it, Jesus is saying to the children, but it's also the seed. If the seed is the word of God, we hear a lot of things in our life in this world today. Among them are some things that are, pretty preposterous that are very easy to see that they're false uh, 
and other things, it's it's sort of it's not it's so easy to see. It's like an old expression that I heard many years ago, which somebody said the only difference between a truth a truth and a, a lie and a half truth is the difference between a brick and a half brick. You could throw the half brick farther. So we need to be careful and discerning, and we need God's help to do that. And it's not anything that we can do. It's We have to be dependent totally upon God. And then he goes on, the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. So we need to decide whether <clears throat> we want to be gathered with the wheat or that we want to be gathered with the weeds. Where do you want to spend eternity? Do you want to spend it in God's granary or do you want to spend it being burned up? Let's take a little time and, and look at the second reading. So it's, <clears throat> again, the second reading usually isn't too close to what's going on, but it says, this is from Romans 6, 23 to 20, or 26 to 27. The Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness. So it's not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says Yahweh Sabaoth. That's Zechariah 6, 4, 6b. And so it's the spirit that's going to help us in our weakness. And again, the spirit is the breath of God. It is what's there. In a sense, if you go to the gospel, the spirit is like the yeast that's working in us. Uh, our exhale is mostly carbon dioxide, isn't it? So the Spirit is working in us to make a change in us that we can't make in our, for ourselves. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit, the breath of God, himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. We don't have to know what we are saying when we pray. The Spirit is going to say for us what needs to be said. We need to allow God's breath to come in us. And then it says that the one who searches the heart will know what is the intention of the Spirit. because he is. So if the Spirit is praying for us, then we don't have to worry about whether our prayer expresses what our needs are. We may not even know what our needs are, but the Spirit knows what our needs are, and the Spirit can ask for us. So if we allow the Spirit to pray through us, even if we don't have comprehend what we're saying, we are going to have what God wants us to have. God's going to grant it because he grants whatever we pray according to his will. And his will will be expressed perfectly by the Spirit because the Spirit is part of, is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Allow the Spirit to work in your life. Allow the Spirit to help you discern which is the good seed and which is the bad seed that's in, in your life. Allow the Spirit to help you discern the, the Word of God and distinguish it from the Word of the world. And so we, I really urge you to do that. Take this into account for this Sunday. And I appreciate very much that you've listened to this podcast. And I hope that you have a good week. And I am looking forward to talking to you again next week.